Which players are the 2023 Red Sox breakout candidates? Part two. You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Nazuski, and this is part two of my conversation with Coop Leonard, where we talk about the players that we think are breakout candidates for the 2023 season. Coop and I also look at multiple other players in part two and sort of break down our feelings going into the season about the Boston Red Sox. Let's get into part two of my conversation with Coop Leonard. I, I think so as well. And I, I think, you know, especially when they did sign Turner, like that player option for like $11 million, I was like, but he's going to be 40. But like it, 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 the output, who knows, like after this season, like it, it, then we'll really know like if he is going to like give you a, a good output during his 40, his 40th age season. Like it's kind of a no brainer for him. Yes. You're going to take more money next year as a player option than you're getting this year. But I agree with you. Like the, the veteran aspect is ginormous for, for Turner as well as Kike. And, you know, I, I love the, the energy that he's also mixed with, you know, Devers as well. You know, we, we saw in some of the mic ups, he's starting to speak more English, him and Doogie, you know, going back and forth. And, you know, I, I think as well, you know, uh, I, I love how Kike, is just embracing the semi-cockiness of like, oh, you don't believe in me? Just watch. Like, I, I love that aspect of him, but you, you got to show it. And I think as well, like, I not only, you know, this goes into the topic of, you know, breakout candidates, like, is 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 he a part of the future? You know, he's on a one-year, $10 million deal. You know, he's 31 years old. You know, that that's, is, is he part of the future? And, you know, I, I think that's one thing that this season will really define. And I, I think it's really important for, us to understand that not only, you know, us meaning the Red Sox in terms of the front office and is, is him and Turner going to be the next guys who kind of like carry over, you know, this Red Sox team and then into the younger guys of like Meyer York, who knows, you know what I mean? I always, so I've been like wrestling with this thought all off season of when Bloom signs a guy, like we don't see, like it's typically like the one to three years is what he is signing. Like he's not yeah. over committing Yoshida. He did his five years. Uh, obviously Devers, he did the 11, 11, 11, 10, 10, 10, but it, it was, it was 11, 11 because he had yeah. the extension. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, those are, I think Yoshida and Devers are guys that he clearly sees as I want here for a championship. Mm-hmm. Whereas when he's making those one to two years, I'm sure it's kind of like, all right, these are guys that I'm bringing in to potentially win a championship. But it's also, I'm not thinking about them like, you know, sizing up their rings. Like Devers and Yoshida, I can probably see him saying, I've sized up their rings in my head when we put out this contract to them. Right. So it's kind of, I, I would love to be inside Heim's brain and kind of figure out what the criteria is of, Okay, we're gonna overcommit because we want this guy here when we eventually get ourselves a piece of metal. Right. Um, so I, I think that's like a very interesting world to be in as an executive. Yeah, because who wants a piece of metal? It's like it's just doesn't even matter. Like yeah, no one cares about it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but you know, I I think as well. You know, you brought up Yoshida, and you know, he's somebody who I I I hated the flack 
that that contract ended up getting right after the Xander stuff. It was sort of like like the Red Sox were already the punching bag. Then like all these GMs were like, she just worth like a half of the ninety dollars. Let's just keep on punching down and be I like, would, the Red I Sox think that was everyone. I that's everyone drinking the Kool Aid and just kind yeah. of being like, oh, it's cool to dump on the Red Sox right now. Let's continue yeah. doing it. Like as a rival executive, how, who is giving props? to someone else that is trying to steal your food. Like, right, exactly. I'm not going to come out and say, you know, Hal Steinbrenner's doing an amazing job as an owner. Uh, Brian Cashman has just done a fabulous job getting the Yankees to the postseason every year for the last 10 years without a championship. I'm not saying that. I'm not giving him kudos. Like, it, it's just not how this world works. Of course, I'm going to dump on a rival exec anonymously just to make sure, like, players out there are kind of like, oh, the Red Sox aren't taking it seriously. I don't want to sign there. I'm going to sign with a team that's actually competitive. Right. Like it, You have to look past the headlines sometimes. And, you know, I, I think with the Yoshida as well, you know, obviously there's the question marks of if he's able to acclimate from Japan to the major leagues. But the one thing, I was watching this uh, documentary of the 2001 season when uh, Ichiro first came into the league. And, you know, he's Yoshida's been compared directly to Ichiro and you know the Juan Soto of of Japan and it was interesting because like they showed Ichiro like doing BP and you know the guys on the Mariners like oh geez like I don't know if this guy can cut it like can he actually play in the majors and like those were the headlines like how is he going to acclimate from Japan and can he hit major league pitching like yes there's going to be some sort of there's going to be some of those growing pains. Like, you know, core already talked about it with some of the sinkers. Like he had never seen anything like that before prior to spring training. Like, yes, there's going to be those growing pains. You know, I've also said about Yoshida as well, like as Boston fans, like we want to see instant gratification, like immediately, like, oh, is this guy worth $90 million? No. I mean, he's hitting like 270 when he's supposed to be hitting 300 in April. 270, you know 389 in his first year. I can't, yeah. Felga, I can't take this anymore. You're right, Mike. He sucks. That's what you're going to hear. Like, that's yeah. just what you're going to hear. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that Ichiro guy, how did he end up doing? He was all right. He was, he was okay. all right. He did decent. Um, he was okay. And everything from the WBC that I've seen so far has only been, you know, kind of building up that whole mystique of Yoshida um, because he he mashed the ball a couple times uh, during the tournament. He kind of, after pool play, I don't think he has done too much, uh, but it's also kind of like when you have Shohei Otani on your team, you really have to do that much to win. Yeah, I agree. Uh, But I'm I'm excited to see him return. Um, It'll be interesting to see how things go as he adjusts to the Like, that's my biggest fear with Yoshida is adjusting to the new rules. Mm-hmm. And that goes for a bunch of players that are running deep into the WBC. I agree. The benefit of that, though, is the fact that all these guys are the... I mean, it's Japan, the US, and Mexico. All these teams have absolute studs on their team, especially the US and Japan. So like, when these guys return, I'm not really too worried about them adjusting to the rules. Like, I'm not... I'm not worried at all about Mike Trout's baseball IQ having to adjust to a pitch clock. I agree. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Um, so that is that is one thing. When watching the game yesterday, I literally said to my boy, "I was like, these guys are taking a really long time to like get into the box. Like they're treasuring that. <laughs> they're treasuring all that time because they know in a week they're not going to have it anymore." Um, but yeah, like Yoshida, like Yoshida never, never having played in the MLB before the WBC, now having to move into that. Yeah, I'm a little bit of. I'm a little bit of worried. All right. I'll 
I know I just said I'm not worried about their baseball IQs and whatnot, but Yoshida, who hasn't had that experience at the MLB yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how things will play out, but he's going to have 162 games to figure it out and then, you know, four more years after that. So I think yeah. he's going to be a treasure for this team. And I think as well, those people who, who are going to get nervous in, in May and in, in June, talk to me in September. Like that, that's what I'm going to be looking at. Like, what does he, what does he give you from April to, you know, September, October, you know, when the season ends, like, and, and at the same time, I hope it's not like this, but I mean, you know, story coming over to Boston, his first season, obviously it was riddled with, with injuries. Like it's, it's not what you thought it was going to be. And you know, that doesn't always happen with some of these semi long-term contracts. Like you're not going to immediately give the team your, the value that they put placed on you. I think that's sort of, at least in my mind, that's, that's what I look at as some of these players It's like, are you like getting up to the bar in my mind of like checking off those boxes to ultimately get to that value of the $90 million over four years. But I, I think with Yoshida, with the play discipline, they's obviously showed in Japan, the ability to, you know, not only get on base through walks, but also just hitting base hits left and right. I'm also curious to see sort of, you know, we, we heard all throughout spring training, you know, Cora and, and all the coaches just raving about him, like him voluntarily going to spring training early, already starting to jive with the guys, him being at the Super Bowl party. And I think I think that's exactly what you want to see from a guy. And, and even show, too, you know, just coming up with a whole sentence at, at the press conference speaking in English. You know what I mean? I, I think he's going to fit in perfectly here. But I think as well, this is why he's on your list of a breakout candidate like he, he, he's really got to show you at least something. Oh, but that backswing though, when he follows through, I, I don't know if you've caught yourself kind of rewinding videos, but he's got a smooth, he's got a smooth swing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's why when you brought up the, the Ichiro comp, I was kind of like, yeah, it's there. I yeah. see it. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to buy into it too much because I might get disappointed, but yeah, it's there and it's nice. I hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Coop. I just want to take a second to talk to you about FanDuel. So the tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. One thing that you can definitely look out for, including the Red Sox, is some player props. You know, Rafael Devers, over-under home runs, Red Sox making the playoffs, making the World Series. So if you have high hopes for this team going into next season, definitely make sure to look at some of those props over on FanDuel. Plus, they even let you combine bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now let's get back into my conversation with Coop. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I think I, I think from what everybody said, it. I love all the positivity about him, um, but although I'm just like, I'm at that point where I'm just itching just for regular season games. Like I, I just want to stop like the overanalyzing of spring training and, and sort of just be like, all right, this is what we got. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just excited for everything to start. Um, and, and, and I'm also curious to see sort of, um, you know, how some of the other breakout candidates that some of the people, other people brought up really do. You know, we had, uh, I'm going to go down the list first of, you know, some of the people that agreed. With I've us. got a name in my mind. And as soon as you say it, I, I, 
I'm going to pick your brain on it because there's one guy that I'm very excited about. Okay, so starting off, at least with Yoshida, uh, Sox Attic and um, Aja here. I think I said that right. I'm awful with pronunciation. I ended up agreeing with you with with, uh, with Yoshida. Um, and then Alex Verdugo, Sox Recaps, um, Jag Gilbert, uh, 99, and also Clapper, 690, agreed with me on the Verdugo. Um, and then Big Sox Guy. And talk socks to me agreed with uh, me with with the Arroyo, but let's go down some of the other lists. We got uh, Rolo Manhattan. He said I got a few: Cassis, Bayo, Whitlock, Masataka Yoshida, um, Alforo, Tapia. The list goes on of the people with something to prove who can capture the attention of Red Sox Nation. What's the biggest name on that list for you? The biggest name on that list for me, Whitlock. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I want to hear you explain that first. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. So with, with Whitlock and people who listen to this podcast know that I'm more on the side of, I want to see what he can do as a starter. You know, he came up through the system as a starter. Lauren's more of the guy of keep him in the bullpen, maybe as a closer, as the future. Now, I, I think with Whitlock, you know, you could say, you know, Bayo has a lot to prove. I, I think he's already shown you that he's he's very special and he's going to be in this Red Sox rotation for a long time. Cassis, yes, struggled a little bit starting to get up, uh, you know, in, into the majors starting out. But you already you already sort of Still know. the number one first base prospect. Yeah. And, and, and you also one. already you saw obviously the minors don't always correlate to the majors. He's one of the most mature guys that at least I've seen, you know, other Red Sox players say this as well prospect that you've seen come up you know even um ian brown said he's he's the most confident player prospect that he's seen come up since dustin Pedroia. and whitlock i think you know there's just so much just riding on is he a starter or is he a bullpen arm i I think last year was you know an, an unfair opportunity for him to really show you what he had just getting thrown into it you know it was one of the biggest reasons why he had the hip surgery and the injury overall and i think now that he's had a full season to sort of work up to being a starter i i, th- I think he's got the biggest riding on him biggest stuff riding on him yeah yeah that i'm i now now i'm really thinking about the bullpen oh man because <laughs> <laughs> like, it brings up the whole like i think i would rather see whitlock from the starting position but Hauk has to be in the bullpen yeah like, it, i i think we've gone through this experiment far too long now and yeah it's kind of because everyone's been hurt last year but it's long overdue just to have that setup of Whitlock needs to be or not needs to be but you, I think you still need to try out that whole bullpen versus starting position but Hauk should just be locked down as your bullpen guy now whether he's going to be seven eight or possibly just set up I well, it's things too. I'm just tired of seeing he, him starting. He keeps on he keeps on getting thrown in positions where he has to start. Like at That's the start true. of the season, like he's gonna be in the rotation because of the injuries. And yes, I completely agree with you. Like it's great that he's working on that third pitch, but he's shown you time and time again that he's just not a starter in the majors. He's just not. Which is fine. I mean, like the whole it's not really the joke, it's the, a matter of fact. Starters get paid. And that's why guys, when they're younger, they try to become a starter, um, even if they're like absolute nails in the bullpen. Um, I mean, what you're seeing with Whitlock and Hauk, I think more so Hauk, uh, since Whitlock got that nice contract, is he's trying to get that get that starter money, which I don't blame him. And, and yeah. you know what? Like starting starting a game's fun. Being an absolute mental case the day of and 
going in with your blinders on. I'm sure that's a fun time, especially on the big <laughs> stage. Uh, but sometimes you just kind of have to know your role and figure out that, hey, I'm a more valuable asset and I'm more dangerous to batter when, when I'm, you know, in the sixth or seventh inning and I can come in and just catch you off your toes with a nice heater. Like, right. that's just well, what it I, is. I think with how too, there's the whole aspect of like, Heim's the one that says that he was going into spring training as a starter. I, I like I've thought for so long that it was just a ploy to continue to add to his his trade value, but like in my mind, it, it's Hauken Verdugo is the two main trade candidates like throughout this offseason, and nothing has happened. And so like it, now, I, I think it's just sort of like oh shoot, you know, like all these injuries are piling up. I, I guess we sort of need him now. And, you know, especially with, you know, the lack of sort of security in the rotation, you got to have multiple of those long reliever sort of options to be able to fill in. And, you know, Haim always says there's not you can never have enough pitching depth. But I, I think with how, you know, he's at another point, you know, similar to, you know, I guess for Dugo as well. You know, are, are you going to continue down the arbitration road or are, is he part of the future? And are you going to give him sort of like a Whitlock type of extension? Whitlock was what three years eighteen. So yeah, it was it was like four years, but I think it it goes it goes from like five, you know, six, like eight, and then like the end of it is like ten, like eleven, and so like it's like really cheap for, it's really cheap for like obviously an average an average starting uh, sort of salary, but if he is in the bullpen, like he's an effective bullpen arm. You know, most bullpen arms are around ten, anyways. Four years, 18 and a half. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's not the biggest commitment in the world. Like you said, um, it's not like he's the biggest asset. He's a young asset. But it is like, how cast to look at that and kind of says, all right, my my best friend here just got locked up and I would like to remain pitching on the same team as my right. good friend here where we can sport cardigans all day long for <laughs> the Red Sox photo shoot. Um, but yeah, like, I, I I just reiterate. I think if he wants to remain a Red Sox for the foreseeable future, gotta be the bullpen. Gotta be the bullpen. And then we got uh we got Jurassic Mike. He said uh, Cassis and Bayo. Um, then we got uh, uh Domingo. He said Duran, uh, Arroyo, Bayo, Mata. He said hell, there's plenty. Then we got uh, Brian Goslow. He said Cutter Crawford, um, who mm. I, who I think could play a huge role. Um, not only potentially in the rotation to begin the year, but also as a long reliever. He's looked really good so far in spring. Yeah, I, I was actually just listening to Sox Prospect today. Uh, from It was their, I believe, their episode from last week. I'm not sure when they're, they typically drop. Uh, but they had Alex Beer on, and the whole gang was kind of talking about Cutter might have it this year. Cutter, yeah. he has a lot to prove, and there, it's like an uphill battle for him. But all the guys there seem like, very high on the fact that if this is the year that he breaks out, it's going to be fun to watch him. Yeah. Um, so I, he was, he's been someone that I've been kind of like keeping my radar up for. Um, who knows? I, that's the yeah. thing. Like every MLB team, I feel like unless you were the Cleveland guardians uh, <laughs> or the Rays. Yeah. You're going to say like, like they, your, bull, they, your bullpen is always good, but they just churn like, they out. They just churn them. out that's young pitching yeah. and nothing ever fails. Nothing. I hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Coop, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. So this is one thing that I have been glued to over the last few weeks or so. Ever since Locked On MLB hosts have essentially been going against each other, 
I've got to make sure that my team is as good as possible and got to put the GM hat on, you know, put the podcaster, you know, the Red Sox fan hat on, you know, when I, when I come on for this podcast, but when I'm playing this game in my mind, I'm thinking like some of the best GMs in, in history, Theo Epstein, Heim Loom, Andrew Friedman, you know, obviously those are just Red Sox ones in my mind, uh, but I try and take what hasn't worked for the Red Sox and, you know, use what I think is best for running a team and running a winning team, like, you know, keeping homegrown talent as well as, you know, extending players to, you know, good contracts, which they did that with Xander Bogarts. Thank God they did it with Raphael Devers. But other things that you can do on the Ultimate Pro, Pro Baseball GM app is you can hire the right coaches and staff to manage your team finances as well. You can do the scouting, the drafting. You can also manage the different personalities. So you can look at the leader or the cancer of the clubhouse. And we all know, especially with the chemistry of a team, how much that means in terms of winning the whole thing. And so that's obviously in anybody's goal when you're a GM is to stack up the World Series trophies and to get as many wins as possible. That's what I've been doing since since I've been joining this app and playing it. But it's so much fun. You can also navigate your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of the season. And so if you're looking for a challenging and realistic game, it's completely free. And you can even play it offline, whether you have internet or whether you don't have internet. You can play it on the go, anywhere you go. Ultimate Pro Baseball GM is for you if you not only love baseball, but you've always wanted to be a GM growing up. And Locked On listeners actually get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Go and download the game. Just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. The ultimate baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. Now let's get back into my conversation with Coop. Until they inevitably leave. Yeah, true. But, true. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but like they really know how to develop pitchers there, and that's something that I'm super envious of because it it feels like we really haven't done that in yeah. a while. Bayo, maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. Bayo. Bayo had he looked good the other yep. day. Um, I, he had an all time, I don't know if you saw this quote, but he was asked, um, if he used anything that Pedro Martinez had, uh, shown him and he just said, how to not be afraid to go inside with the ball. And, um, uh, I was just like, fuck Let's yeah, go. or sorry, didn't mean to start there, <laughs> but I was just kind of like, yeah, dude, brush him off your plate, control it. And, and like, I think he's going to be such a fun player to watch this year. Like I'm not ready to have my heart broken by him because that's how confident I am in him. But that there's also that potential of now I'm riding way too high on him and he does have a bar to hit, but I think he can hit it and it will be fun for Red Sox fans to watch him have those starts. Um, I believe they said that because of his delay during the spring training when he was feeling a little bit of tightness in his forearm, um, he's most look most likely looking at like four starts Mm -hmm. at AAA before coming up. So that would put him mid April. Um, so enjoy him out there for me until he can come up to Boston because once he's up here, like I, I want Bayo day every day. Yeah, me too. And I, I think, you know, 
that gives Winkowski an opportunity. Who knows? You know, Paxton will probably go through a whole like rehab thing similar to Bayo. Um, you know, probably won't see Paxton until May or so. But for for majority of the the rest of the responses, it's it's essentially Bayo. But but I'm curious that one name. What what was that one name that you were curious about? Oh, it was Bayo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I love my guy because because I, um, I think you know what he showed you in the later part of you know, his, his time last season, like he can't really look at, you know, the eight some odd like ERA, right. When he got thrown into it after starting the season in double A, like you just can't expect a young pitcher like that to be able to give, give you Cy Young type innings, you know, right out of the gate. And I, I think once he got comfortable, you, know, you, you saw a potential, uh, you know, future ace or, or number two for, for the long term. And I, I think that sort of ties into, you know, the, the Whitlock thing as well, you know, if if this Red Sox team really has two two dominant young starters in Whitlock and Bayo, like, I mean, if the future's looking you, pretty good, yeah, I will take if you, that. If you can just add like one sure thing, like Shane Bieber or, or something, you know what I mean? We, we talked about Bieber last time. Yeah, I don't don't get but, my uh, hopes. I'm already getting my hopes up with Bayo here. Do not do more to but me. Like the, I, my heart can only take so much. But that, like we brought it up, obviously, throughout this whole episode of, of the breakout candidates. But if some of these guys break out, like the future could look really, really good. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm <laughs> me too, man. I, I need it to start up. <laughs> Give me March 30th. Yeah, already. seriously. Very close. Uh, nine days from from when we're, from when uh, this will be posted. But uh, any, any final thoughts going into the season, just for where your mind's at? Um, I guess PSA. Um, be kind to yourself out there, Red Sox fans. It's it's going to be an uphill battle this yeah. season. Um, mixing plenty of waters at Fenway. Yeah. Um, but no, in all seriousness, like I. I'm ready for baseball to be back. It's it's been a long off season. Uh, it'll be nice to get some content going for the shows over at Odyssey. Uh, might have stuff in the works. Who knows? A little teaser. So be sure to follow. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I'm just I'm excited for Red Sox Twitter to be popping off. Um, get some memes out there. That's <laughs> what I'm, I'm good at. But also be able to digest, you know, more of more of your content, more of that other content out there from everyone that loves uh, the Red Sox. Yeah, so. I've, I've been, I've been excited for that and happy to be I've on. Been, I've been loving it throughout the spring training. Like with the first game, it was like, oh, Red Sox Twitter's back. And, um, you know, then the whole debacle ended up happening with, you know, we're not even going to talk about it, but you know, Lauren and I brought it up a little bit, you know, just be respectful. You know, Coop, Coop, yeah, I said, think it said, said it perfectly. Be nice to yourself. Also be respectful to others. Cause also just in the same yeah. aspect too, like it's easy with the, mo- when the emotions are high to, you know, go back and forth to somebody and you know you know there's always those people on twitter like i'm right you're wrong but actually nobody has any clue what's happening behind those doors in the grand scheme of things we are all on twitter and we are not in that front office like so let's all just treat it that way let's not be too serious let's all have a little Mm -hmm. fun but let's also have some fun discussion as well okay like that's what we do best i agree that's what we do. So best. for anybody that wants to tune more into whether it's your Twitter content or, or anything that you're working on, where can they find all that stuff? Oh man. So coop underscore Leon across all uh, like social devices, whatever <laughs> apps, whatnot, snap face. Uh, don't do snap face. Um, but yeah, coop underscore Leon L E O N N or L E O N. Um, but yeah, baseball isn't boring. At BB isn't boring. At Bradfoe show, uh, Red Sox booth. I'd sometimes tweet from there. I might be doing some more stuff in 
the season to come with the Instagram. So go follow the Sox booth Instagram. Uh, at least get some more Joe Castiglione content in your life. That's if that's the very least you get out of that. It, I can promise you we are going to get some Joe Castiglione content out of that. Um, but yeah, I'm just bebopping around on Twitter. Come, come look at my jokes. I, love I don't it. know. No joke when you brought up Joe Castiglione. I almost like faked like falling in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> All-time All moment, moment, dude. But yeah, de- All time. All definitely go and support Coop. Great guy. Great, great content that he puts out there. And and same with, you know, what he does producing, you know, baseball isn't boring. You know, him and, him and Rob Bradford put out great uh, content, you know, five days a week, just like this podcast. So right after you listen to this, go and check that out as well. But uh, oh, I appreciate that. Oh, and, and one more thing. Uh, there's a book out there. Joe Kelly. Uh, I don't know if you remember him. He kind of beat the, the snot out of Tyler Austin won a championship and then decided to do it again with the Dodgers. He wrote a book with Rob. I've been kind of the campaign organizer behind it the past year with baseball isn't boring. If you have been following that, but the book's out now, um, my name's in it. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. So go buy it for me at the very least and just read that one page that I'm on. If not, the rest of the book is fantastic. You have quotes from MLB players. There's an entire chapter where it's an interview between Joe Kelly and Rob Manfred talking about the state of baseball and where is it, That's pretty cool. it might be going. It's awesome. It's, it's a great book. I actually, I was privy to the, uh, the zoom interview for that. Um, so that's deep in my computer somewhere. If anyone ever <laughs> wants to see the full interview of that, but yeah, great book, uh, baseball or no, it's a damn near perfect game, uh, reclaiming America's pastime written by Joe Kelly and Rob Bradford. So they did a great job. I, I had to plug that. No, I'm sorry. don't apologize at all. One last I word. I love it. I love it. Well, appreciate you taking the time, Coop. I hope that you did enjoy my conversation with Coop Leonard and got a little bit of insight on some of the people that we think are the breakout candidates for the Red Sox going into the 2023 season. Also enjoyed hearing some of the Twitter responses. If you heard your name, I hope that you're excited to hear that we involved you in the episode. But if you want to be involved in more episodes and kind of like the section that we did in this episode, you know, talking about the different Twitter responses, make sure to go over and follow us over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. One thing that we like to do before each and every single episode sort of post or tease the topic that we're going to be talking about in open-ended question, get your opinions, and then we like to react it on the episode to not only get the listeners involved, but also get other opinions out there outside of just Lauren and I's. And we also want to try to make this podcast the most fan-engaging Red Sox podcast that there is out there. So go over and make sure to follow us over there. And also follow myself. It's at Jake Iggy. And also my co-host Lauren is La La La. Three laws, Lauren with four R's. But as always, we greatly appreciate everybody tuning into the Lockdown Red Sox podcast and for making Lockdown Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen and check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. I don't know about you. I've been listening to this almost every single day leading up to my fantasy draft. I want to win a little bit of money as well as beat my friends. So if you want to do the same, definitely make sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts and over on YouTube. But as always, we thank you so much for tuning in to Locked On Red Sox. We hope that you have a great rest of your day. And we'll end it how we always end it. Keep the faith and let's go Sox. Peace.